Welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast, where we help leaders like you get the knowledge and skills you need to impact more people and live the life you've always wanted. Get ready to experience tools, tips, and advice by the co-founders of Giant and best-selling authors, Jeremy Kubacek and Steve Cockrum. Hey friends, welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. This is Jeremy Kubitschek, and as always, I'm with Steve Cockrum from England. Steve, how are you, my friend? I am incredibly well, Jeremy. Thank you for asking. How incredibly kind. The sun is shining. We're at 70 degrees. Summer has arrived in London. Wow, come on. This is That's the way it should be. I love, actually, English summers are actually really amazing. So I miss those, especially when it gets into the 90s or 100 degrees no, where I'm at. No, no, no good. Well, um, man, we have so much to catch up on. Our lives yeah. have been crazy, all of us. Let's start, man. You moved into a new home. A like, new this is a home. big deal. This is a massive deal, massive deal. So, yeah, when, when Giant started 10 years ago, Jeremy was obviously a very wealthy man at the time, and Helen and I weren't. <laughs> I'm joking. And... um. We really weren't, actually. And um, one of the dreams was always that my nurturer guardian wife would have a home. And you know, the biggest thing was to have a garden where she could plant things that she didn't, she'd see them grow. So this sounds really backyard. soppy. Yeah, backyard, whatever. A garden, you know, grass and plants. And so 10 years on, uh, the last house we owned was in Phoenix, Arizona, which wasn't the greatest investment in the world at the time. So actually, for us to save and to do that together and to actually move into an amazing home, it just feels it feels like an incredible gift. If I'm ever you ever hear me being not grateful and blown away by, in many ways, the generosity of of the Lord and people, it's a really special time for our family. So thank you, because you were one of the main reasons this happened, Jeremy. You you were you were always a much better businessman than I was. And in a sense, Giant has been an incredible part of that story. So, yes, Mrs. Cockrum has a home it's stunning it's not just okay it's incredible can't wait for you and kelly to come and see in many ways one of the bits that 10 10 years on really since we wow. lived in heads of priory so so I'm just a little bit of, like are you saying that we got we get a percentage of that like we i misheard that like we have part of the ownership of that now you, okay, you, you have part ownership in a friendly kind of um there's a room for you to use when in, you come but in a weekend type of way in a weekend type know, of way there is always a place for you well, because without you. you and kelly this would never have happened so oh, thank you that's kind there we go well you know it, it's it's awesome i love again the way that the English live uh, with long meals, having <laughs> tea. There's certain times and rhythms yeah. that I think the Brits are way better at than Americans. And so I do miss that part of it. So, well, good. Yeah, since the last, so you've been doing that, you've been moving in, and we'll get to your other thing that you've done, a, a little <laughs> international trip. But I have finished a book. I've written a book in the last 30 days, as you know, Steve, but the listeners, uh, Wiley asked me to write a book on uh, peace for the fall because they feel like the fall is going to be chaos and it already is chaos. And so I did, man. I was like, I think I'm going to try it. And I did it in 18 days and a fully written, you know, first round edited book in 18 days. 
I'm like, I can do that. It just felt really good. And it was just good to get back into the writing graces. And it was fun. That's so good. What you're really trying to say is without the dead weight of your usual writing partner, you've been able to do it way more efficiently in a far higher quality product. No, honestly, I can't wait to read it, actually. I think peace is it's something that you do well. And, uh, yeah, I think people – it's definitely the absence of peace is pretty much everywhere right now in, in different parts of the world. So if ever there was a good time for this to be coming out, I think this will be – incredibly well received and very timely well and it's actually a good topic for our guests today when we start talking about mental health all of that will tie in when how Mm. do you have inner peace when there's no outer peace how do you have inner peace when there's no when there's unrest so much in the world before we get onto that though you do you you have traveled a little bit so covid (laughs) yeah you finally i mean you've been traveling a little you've been to germany you've been a number of different places but cyprus Cyprus was a really sacrificial trip where um, <laughs> where I think it, it's kind of um, – so we took – when I say we, Becky and I and our spouses, so Helen and Tim, took I think another 13 giants from across Europe and some from America, and we went on retreat together. So every American thought they were coming to a program for training and investment. They, ne- they didn't believe when I said that it was a first-year, second-year retreat where – everyone would have a chance and space to recharge, reconnect, recreate, and do depth relationship with each other. And at the end of a week, some of them had left their children behind for the first time. Don't worry, they were cared for before you start worrying. (laughs) So you'd be amazed what happens when busy mums with four kids who've been running just have six whole days together in the most beautiful place. And we did first gear well. We had uh, Stu Wright, who's one of our team, who's just an amazing pastor, did a, did a little devotion, a little thought for the day every morning on the beach. That was it. There was an extrovert beach and an introvert beach, which basically meant if you didn't want to be interrupted while you were reading, you went one place. And if you were happy to be interrupted, then you went to another place. And then every night we met for um, cocktails at six o'clock and all went out for dinner together as a group and just we celebrated and the celebration dinner that actually ended up happening on the beach we honored you because you were the person who taught us how to do it went on for three and a half hours as people just celebrated each other and just the joy of journey with you so i think that bit about peace i'll be interested to hear what kim's got to say but i think one of the things that i always say is to go is if you don't have a first gear recharge strategy You'll never, ever find peace in a world where the complexities of relationship and the demands of work are so great. So this was almost enforced first gear, second gear. We're going to do it every year. You can come one year if you want to come and uh, meet everybody. But everyone had such an amazing time. We were like, okay, this is what first gear and second gear looks like because most of us don't really do it that often. So I'll be asking Kim later whether – whether actually that's part of the strategy for how you keep mentally well in a world where we're almost overwhelmed, bombarded by so many things every day. It was just a real gift. So yeah, retreat in Cyprus with giants. That was just a real joy. Well, so again, for those listening, thinking about what do you do to recharge? What do you, mm. what are you doing personally? Because, you know, again, chaos and and we're dealing with so many mental health uh, questions uh, and and you know you throw out obviously Ukraine and mm. if you look at the people you're talking about being bombarded truly mm. being bombarded you know in these cities and what happens to them and you if you look at the pictures of kids and their eyes and what they've experienced and where they are 
they go, how do you actually, again, find peace in the midst of just that pure chaos? How do you conquer chaos? No, that's great, man. I love it. Well, um, what else idiot- have you been up to? Go on, give us give us one more thing that you've been up to. I'm yeah, giving you my house and Cypress trip. That sounds very indulgent, but that's where we are. <laughs> so, you know, we always have things going on. So I've got a couple of, of projects. So we start, we actually start this next week with my son, uh, Will Kubitschek. Is, is, he and I are partnering on six summers. So it's basically a father-son retreat uh, business where you basically equip dads and parents to be intentional with their kids. And all of that's been building for the last year or so. We've been testing it. And it's just so fun to be able to help people be more intentional. So we've got that going on. And then we also have um, Kelly, my wife, as uh, she's busy. We're building our farmstead, our family original farmstead, two acres into a wedding venue and event space. And so that's a, that's a real dream. I mean, honestly, I probably thought about that for years and, and thinking, was that possibility someday, but it's Mm -hmm. actually happening and it's phenomenal. And so we're going to have a, we're going to do a harvest party. Wheat harvest is coming up. As you all know, some of you know that I'm a farmer too, which is kind of so weird. I'm hoping um, the price of wheat, wheat has gone through the roof, Jeremy. Oh yeah. It's, It's so of all the expenses. But that's another thing. <laughs> uh, you, you never meet you never meet an alleged rich farmer, but they always yeah. seem to have enough from my perspective. Go on, keep so, going. So um, anyway, so we have we're we're cutting a strip of wheat and we're putting a table right in the middle, and we're having uh, basically a harvest party. So we've got about fifty people coming to a harvest dinner in the middle of this wheat field right before harvest is starting. So it's just a fun, wow. it's a fun season. You know, I like to celebrate. I like to do interesting things we've got that going on as well so that's just a little background and for everyone else steve and i are just catching up and you guys get to listen so um thanks for that for listening and being a part of it but let's jump in steve what our question for today what's our what's our question well tracy pops up to give us our question jeremy so come on tracy what's our what's our question from our uh, yeah. multitude of millions of listeners around the world. <laughs> it's a good one. So Meredith from San Francisco is asking, I lead a team of seven engineers. How do I handle a team member who doesn't seem to be pulling his weight? This employee is a decade older than me and has been with the company much longer than I have. Wow. All right. And, you know, I hear that all the time, don't you? I met mean, people all, what do I do? And it, it's that phrase that you like to use, and I, I love to control the controllables. Like, what can you control versus what can't you? So, the question I'd have really is to know a little bit more detail. Um, it's if it's a team member and you don't have influence, like <laughs> if you don't have positional power, then it's really influential power. But if that person has continued to, usually those are the people that people work around, and that team that that person is on or leads probably is dysfunctional um and and it's an issue and so you know from my perspective um it is you have to be you affect the culture as much as you possibly can and stay positive don't go negative because as soon as you go negative then you become part of a problem and almost creating toxicity and if you create gossip and drama and slander then they might not be pulling their weight, but you could be so frustrated that you're actually creating, a, it's like cause and effect. You're creating other issues. 
that go hand in hand with that person's issues. So staying positive, controlling what you can control, and then using your influence as much as possible uh, to try to sway any movement. And then can't wait to celebrate his retirement when he leaves. <laughs> oh, gee, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, agree with that. All, all I know, Meredith, is to go, um, we, we have a, a tool called the Support Challenge Matrix, which basically looks as a leader to ask, how do I calibrate high support and high challenge for those that I lead? And so when someone says to me, I've got someone who's not pulling their weight, I don't really know what to do. The question I usually ask is to go, have you had the honest conversation? Because you are the team leader. So it might be, it but might be that. I don't know if she is a team leader. Oh, she does. I'm sorry, I didn't read that. She leads a team. Yeah, you're right. I, I've misheard that. So the question there, Meredith, is to go, uh, you may be in a position where they're unaware that they're not pulling their weight. So the question is, have you had the honest conversation? Because ultimately, you are the leader of that team. And in a sense, when you protect or you don't bring challenge, it doesn't just impact your relationship with that individual. It impacts everyone else in the team who goes, well, why, why should I do X when so-and-so is being allowed to deliver less than what's required? So I always assume first that I believe the benefit of the doubt goes to individuals going, maybe they're just unaware that this is how people perceive them. So bring that challenge, be honest. If their response then is, oh my goodness, I'm so sorry, will you help me understand what top performance looks like? You've won a friend and that's there. If they're saying, well, this is just me, I've been here 10 years longer than you, I'm not doing any more. That's then another question because in a sense, you may then have to make a decision which says, well, I'm sorry you feel that way, but ultimately, the culture of this team is not going to be that. And in the end, if you aren't able to perform and pull your weight, then probably you're not going to be in this team for much longer. So that's where I'd start, Meredith, anyway. I'd go, be honest. Have you had the honest conversation? Does this person aware of your frustration? If they are um, and they're still not changing, then I think you're into a performance management and actually saying, look, we're not going to tolerate Otherwise, it's unfair on everyone else. And when you protect, you always create entitlement. And ultimately, what you'll do is you'll create resentment with those who actually go, Meredith's allowing this person to be less than they should be. So that's my Meredith response. Do you want to add anything back in, yeah, Jeremy, now you've no, heard the full question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I missed the part that she was a team leader. I, I was thinking she was a teammate. Um, so the the only thing I would say is, if, in that case, I agree with Steve. And then to add to giving people the chance to be responsive Mm. is really important so you if you don't share your expectations you might share with other people but not them it's not fair to them but it's very fair if you share expectations and mm. if but if they continue to be resistant then you give them chances and then those chances are up resistance really shouldn't be on the team uh responsive should be the the, t the team uh, aspect so you know giving people the chance but i i agree with steve you, uh, liberation means bringing challenge and bringing it with a support mindset so it's good good stuff well thanks and everyone else if you have questions please like meredith please send those in uh to tracy tracy at the end can share uh, where to send those let's go and move on to introducing our guests we have a fabulous guest today kim galski kim is in um Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Uh, that was not easy to say. Fond du Lac, I mean, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. Kim, welcome to the Giant Leadership Podcast. How are you? 
I'm great. Thank you so much. I'm over here with my notepad because I, I feel like I'm at a rock concert and I got the front row ticket. <laughs> Come on. Hello. Well, we are rock stars. In the oh, yes. um, I, I, did play in a, I did play in a blues band in Russia. I don't know if that counts, but that's a whole nother uh, that story. That counts for me. Um, I have nothing, Kim, I'm afraid, in that particular <laughs> arena. You do that kazoo. <laughs> well, I don't, want, I don't. I don't want to get into that. That'd be unhelpful. Everyone I meet from Wisconsin is incredibly thin and athletic. Yet oh. whenever we go there, they feed us cheese curds, deep fried cheese. And how does that work between basically oh. staying so thin and athletic and actually feeding visitors things which are really unhealthy? Any any clues how I can navigate the diet of my next visit? Everything is in moderation and balance. <laughs> That's the problem, there you go. Steve. Moderation there you and balance. Go. Oh, we didn't know now, that. Now, now I feel like I've got a front row seat, so I'm going to write those words down. <laughs> Tattoo thank those you, thank you, thank knuckles, you, Doctor. Moderation, balance. I've yeah. actually got discretion and discipline. I'm going to add moderation and balance. Yeah, to my tattoos great. on my hands oh, that's boy. awesome thank you well so real quick kim is um she is a guide she's a consultant uh her and her business partner fritz own a company and they work uh, a lot in the in the leadership space in the mental health space and we really yeah. want to we want to talk to you about the mental health side today but before we get there i do need to ask this because our listeners don't know this we're talking kim gowski is uh, miss Wisconsin, mrs wisconsin which is different than yeah. Miss Wisconsin. It's like yes. uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Oh, Gerard's Cross, Steve. It'd be like you when you won that award. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, but Mrs. Wisconsin, <laughs> but she's also in the military. So the question is, how does Mrs. Wisconsin go to the military? Where did that Oof. come about? So tell us that story real quick. Uh, well, I managed an investment company. Yeah, the guy, I got to go back a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. I was first in the military when I was 18. Okay. In the mid to late 90s, I enlisted in the uh, in the Marines for active duty. Spent five years on active duty and got out because I could rule the world at 23 and a half. Ended up kind of getting lost for seven years, trying to start my own businesses and you know getting married and been falling apart. And anyway, in 2008, I ended up in Wisconsin because of God. And I was lost and I had a son and I ended up homeless. So I went from being at the top of my game to being on the street. And that started my personal development path. I ended up managing an investment company for eight and a half years with no experience. So I think I did okay. In sitting in my really safe office one day, I said, this was not God's plan for me. I've got to figure out what I'm going to do. So I left my very safe position to pursue opening a nonprofit for veterans that had gone through what I went through. And who knew that that would set me on a path to to just new depths of learning who I was. And so I ran an invest I ran a, a nonprofit called Salute the Troops for 3 years. Met some incredible people, but in the beginning of my journey, two things happened. I was great at communicating with people, but I hate going into places and saying, "Let me tell you what I do." So I thought, how can I do this better? Let me put on a banner and run for a pageant. I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't get dressed up. I don't even own a dress. Not like that. I wanted to wear a banner that people would approach me and go, what do you stand for? What is your platform? What do you do? How do you help? That's really how it started. It was never about winning the crown. It was, how can I build my network? I came in second runner up my first time through. And I thought, now I need to get to work. 
And I made a promise that I was going to do 150 appearances in a year. And that's roughly three appearances a week. And so my whole next year, which was 2018 to 19, I did over 150 appearances and I won Mrs. Wisconsin 2019. In that, in that one year, my president for my nonprofit attempted suicide and I was rocked to the core. I, I didn't know how, I didn't know how to come back from it. I was so angry. I was disappointed. I was sad. I was, I just didn't understand how I missed it when I was with him every day. And he was a combat vet five times. uh, He's got a purple heart. He's been blown up multiple times. So the TBI and the post-traumatic stress for him, I didn't realize how severe it really was. I went to a class to be a facilitator for suicide prevention because as a nonprofit director, I needed to know how I could see this coming. When I was there, I met two chaplains in the National Guard. I had no idea that the old guys sitting at my table were chaplains in the National Guard. (laughs) And we got to having a conversation and they said, with your experience, have you ever thought about joining the National Guard to be a chaplain's assistant? And I sat back and I laughed at them and I said, well, coming from a Marine, I am not putting another uniform on. And I thought, how silly is that? We all wear green. We're all going in the same direction. We all have the same purpose. So I thought it only has to be from God. This has to be a God thing because I would never have sought that out. And within, that was October of 18 and January of 19, I had enlisted in the Army National Guard for three-year contract. Um, And then I became Mrs. Wisconsin in March of 2019. And uh, then COVID hit and that really set me on a whole nother path. And that's how I met Giant. So I'll be forever grateful for that. Wow. Is that enough? <laughs> That's enough. That's wow. really good. <laughs> I've got like a thousand questions. Like, I'm okay, like, Kim, thank you. I mean, yes. that, that that was a, a a more comprehensive answer than I think any of us were expecting. But I love <laughs> the fact it it gives people a chance to get a sense of who this incredible woman is. And I've always in, I always think that whenever you hear people's stories, they're never as perfect as you sometimes fear they might be. And I think that's the same for everybody. And I, I love asking people, what's your, what's your story? Give me five minutes of your story and what shaped you the most. And sometimes it's, it's remarkable what happens. So thank you for sharing. I guess one of the questions, you know, that I, I wanted to ask you was to go, obviously that, that mental health piece, you know, you've seen it, you described it in, you know, the person you'd worked with for so long, I guess. And as we've been through COVID as well, I guess the question I want to ask you is, well, what have you been learning about Hmm. mental health what is it that is there any way that you can put that in layman terms so that we can understand and those who are listening can understand and what was it you'd really love to share with us so what are you learning and and what would you what would you love to share that you think might be helpful to us and many of those listening around the world to try to simplify mental health has probably been the biggest challenge for me um, just as a coach because there's such a stigma connected to just those few words, mental health. I think because of our military community, it has become something that people are more open talking about. But I think what it comes down to is, is as silly as this sounds and simple, is it really comes down to understanding the communication code between one human being to another and our language. And so it's how we approach things. It's, it's, our own personal realities because there's no one reality. And so when it comes to mental health, it's really taking yourself out of the equation, walking in empathy first, and really trying to come at it from their perspective. 
So good. So Kim, what are you doing um, in this season for your own mental health? How are you, Mm -hmm. you know, you you know where you've come from. So what are you doing just to stay as fresh because you can't give what you don't possess. And we always say, you know, in the giant world, you have, we need to be the healthiest leaders in the room. So um, what, what does that mean for you? I think, I think honestly, it's probably the biggest challenge that I have as a leader because you want to be everything for everybody. And I think that's a natural thing for us as humans that are fighting for everybody else's, you know, best life is that we forget a lot of times about our own because we feel so good in the moment of helping somebody. But unless you really understand that it's okay to check out of reality for a little while and go into spaces that are meditative, that are calm, because Steve said it earlier that we are literally bombarded so much by information and people and, and, you know, just energy. And we're staring at energy right now as we talk on a computer that we don't take the time to understand that all of that has an effect on us. It's the unseen that has such a dramatic effect on us. And then we become reactive to everything instead of being proactive to things. And so for me, my reconnection is walking in nature and listening to nature, enjoying as much fresh, organic fruits and vegetables that I can. Um, You talked about living in a place that lives on cheese, moderation, you balance and, and being selective because we need to understand that nutrition also affects our mental health. So there's so many connections to that, that I don't think that this conversation will ever end or be done evolving when it comes to mental health and, and wellness as a human being. I think it's ever evolving. I think it's, it's, it's so good to hear. I think the stigma component is coming down and when people understand that, that you have physical fitness, Yeah, physical fitness is okay, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, well, yeah. Why wouldn't mental fitness be okay? Yeah. And why wouldn't so, spiritual fitness be okay? You know, yes. mind, body, yeah. and spirit. And yes. so... Yeah. I give an analogy the last time I was a keynote speaker. If you can picture this a moment, I am in a dress, beautiful dress, crown and six inch stiletto standing in front of a room of 300 people. And I'm explaining mental health to them and what it looks like. So I'm running in place with a microphone in my dress saying, you know, everybody looks at physical fitness like, oh, there goes so-and-so running down the street. They're so physically fit. But when we sit and read a book or we do some kind of leadership development or coaching, people see it as being kind of this woo-woo thing that we're not actually exercising, but we really are. And that's our definition of, you know, this mental health and wellness is this exercise that you can't see going on, but is absolutely imperative that we have. That's so profound. Thank you, Kim. It's, I think kind of the, the question that we always ask leaders where you go, would you like to fulfill your potential? I mean, if you ask young leaders, they're like, yes, absolutely. Would you like to be all that you could be? And the question is, go, how do you how do you recharge well? And mm-hmm. it's not the instinct of the, the the those that are most ambitious, most driven. It's like it's the last question. They they think you're gonna ask them, you know, you know, how do I perform better? How do I do this and the other? I, I've just watched too many people burn out either physically, emotionally, mentally, or relationally. I think that's another cost that basically when people don't have a recharge and the ability, I love when you said to walk in nature, just to be still, to almost disconnect and, yes. and be. 
we're so poor. I'm so poor at being. I'm really good at doing. And I think the world <laughs> with the digital world means that we can be doing all the time, even when we're in a recharge space. We're still with our phones or we're still <laughs> thinking about things. And I, yeah. I just think that's the, 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 the kind of maybe part of the thought that I'll maybe have two thoughts today because I've got one I had. But I do think that basically if you're listening to this, and, and you're going, how do I fulfill my potential as a leader, and whether you're young or old? I do believe that you have to have a first gear recharge strategy. And I would challenge you, if you've got team, constantly ask them how they're doing with it, because ultimately they will never perform physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually at their peak if they're not actually recharging the battery every day. And um, yeah. what you share there is so profound. So thank you. I think too, if I can add to that, just once one thing is that we are, we always seem to be in search of that thing. How do I, mm. I'm going to go search for the book that tells me how to take care of myself, that self-care piece. I think we try so hard to search for the thing that it's right here. It's right here. If we would just stop, you were talking about the retreat that you had. As I'm listening, I'm literally picturing this. I could smell the ocean. I laughed when you said you had two different beaches to go to if you wanted to read for introverts and extroverts. That's brilliant. But, you know, we're always in search of something when we have it the whole time. And so I think we try so hard to fit into something and search for the answer and ask the question when we never take the time to go within and, and know that we have it if we'll just stop and listen. Kim, thank you so much for being with us. So grateful for you. <laughs> thank and, you so much. Uh, Thanks grateful, for having me. Grateful for what you are about and what you and Fritz are doing. Mm -hmm. And I'm super excited about the future and just some of the courses that yeah. I know we're working on with you and some of the other yeah. things that have going on. So wish you the best yeah. and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much. Cheers. Isn't that fun? It's always great wow. to hear from Kim. And, you know, we have over 800 of these types of professionals that are in our ecosystem of giant they are using giant into their professional world, whether they're a coach or a consultant or a trainer or a influencer speaker. And that might be some of you here listening, or maybe, you know, someone. So who do you know, um, that wants to help other people, whether full-time or part-time, you can simply go to giantworldwide.com and find more information on that. Um, Steve, final thoughts, mm. my friend. What's your what's your final thought based on that? I think, well, my final thought based on that was the first gear recharge strategy. But the one I was thinking about this week is I had the privilege of working with a CEO, a CPO, and a CTO who basically were trying to work out how they could work more effectively together. Turns out, um, in our language, we had a creative pioneer, a pioneer guardian, and a pioneer connector. So that, you, you get the gist. And the, the massive aha, I was trying to think how I got them started. And I asked them to share their five-minute leadership story. The five-minute leadership story, what are the things that shape the most as leaders? I think they each took 20 minutes each through tears and a level of transparency and vulnerability. They'd worked together for a year and they really didn't know each other that well. <laughs> and actually, the presenting issues that we then worked through over the next three, four hours was so much easier because each of them, I believe, truly saw the other and heard the other. And I think the thing is, is if you, I think my thought is to go, take the time with the people you work with to know their story. 
Because in a sense, if you ask the right question and be interested, most people quite like sharing about their story if somebody is genuinely interested. And particularly for those of you like me that are very task-driven, love to win, probably know more about the strategic work of the people I'm leading than necessarily what it is that is really makes them tick. And it was a massive aha for me. I only asked them to do five minutes, and they ended up doing about 20 minutes each. And at the end of it, they also that was the best bit of the whole thing. So storytelling is profound. And if you're leading a team or leading people or even over a dinner table, five minutes doesn't sound a lot, but it's actually usually the thing which unlocks the ability for you to connect. So if you think of that second gear going deeper and connecting with people that usually hopefully is part of your first gear strategy, that is one of my favorite second gear strategies that starts in third gear. So nobody minds starting, but it's amazing how when they start sharing, we end up in a place of honesty, transparency, vulnerability, and ultimately a far deeper connection, even with people we've worked with for many years. So that was my practical thought coming out of my work this week that I thought I'd share because usually Giant is usually a mix of both of our failures over the years. This was one where I go, gosh, I learned something here. I'll make sure everyone listening is aware of it. So what about you, Jez? What's your final thought for this podcast? So it is around the idea of influence. And if you you want to be productive, if you want to be an influencer, then you have to be healthy. You have mm. to be healthy because you have people don't want to follow unhealthy people. You know, the joke we always use of the mountain is no one wants to follow an asthmatic Sherpa up Mount Everest. And if you're a team leader or if you're a leader over family or then the work that you put in yourself, the work that you do for yourself mentally, spiritually, physically, that shows up. People see it and um, they'll see your health. They'll also see your unhealth. And so for you going, choosing to not beat yourself up if you're unhealthy, but choosing to go, you know what? I'm going to do the little things. I'm going to start today on recharging or mental, or I'm going to start today on physical, or I'm going to start today on spiritual or something that might get you to the point where you have more internal peace. Uh, I work on that on a daily basis because I know myself and I have to manage my emotions. So I do things to manage my emotions. When I do, that makes me healthier. So I do things in the morning. I do things in the afternoon. I do things in the evening. I did it last night to help me on a certain situation, and it really worked. I woke up in a much healthier place because the emotions don't own me. So it's those types of things that um, help you become someone that people want to follow and not have to follow. So that's my last thought. So It's a good thought. It's a good thought, brother. What a great podcast. Yeah. Hey, Mrs. Everyone. Wisconsin. We, everyone wants to be on the Giant Leadership Podcast. You know, we've got everything. What a what what a story. What a story. Yeah. Well, maybe next time you can share the time that you were in stilettos, and that will be the next um, conversation. No, I'm Do joking. You know, I, I've exercised discretion and discipline all the way through this, saying nothing about no. your pageant victory, but I will. The, I, I won't mention it. The uh, new what was it? Balance and uh, moderation. Moderation. Moderation and balance. Balance and, balance and moderation. There you go. <laughs> Kim gave it to me, but obviously when it comes up in my new book, um, it won't be credited to her. So there we go. So good. That's so good. All right, everyone. (laughs) Well, thanks so much. And we'll see you next time. Cheers.
If you're looking for a speaker for your next event, whether live or remote, Jeremy Kubitschek speaks to audiences all over the world. Jeremy is a best-selling author, international speaker, and co-founder of Giant Worldwide. He has started over 20 companies while living in Oklahoma City, Moscow, Atlanta, and London. Whether you're looking to impact your executive team, your entire organization, or if you're hosting a public event, go to jeremykubitschek.com to learn more.